Good morning. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Otto, are you so proud of your dad for leading worship on Father's Day? Yeah, me too. I'm not really proud of it. I mean, good job. That was great. Bart stepped in today with Cynthia gone. It was awesome. Dads, today you don't get a special sermon like the moms did, uh, but that's because we've been going through Proverbs, and so you kind of get a special summer. It's kind of, Proverbs is fathers to sons, and so it's kind of like the summer of fathers and sons. So consider this a Father's Day sermon if you want to, if it makes you feel better. Um, but we're just going to continue in Proverbs. Proverbs, get wisdom, right? Get wisdom. Spending the summer on the first nine chapters of Proverbs, which are kind of an introduction to what we normally think of when we think of Proverbs as 10 little exhortations throughout with some weird interludes and things like that. So we had an introduction uh, about three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we had our first exhortation, which can be summarized as what? Don't be a pirate. Don't Don't join a gang, right? (laughs) Which at first blush seemed a little extreme and a little out there. And so we got deeper into it and realized that, no, 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 we're always being tempted and called to join the crowd, right? And the crowd appeals to us and our desire to feel included. The fact that we want to be a part of something big, we want a seat at the cool kids table, right? And it allures us with the, with the promise of the forbidden and promises that there aren't going to be any consequences for giving ourselves to wicked things and promises instead that we'll be made rich by it, and we'll all be together. And that path, the path of following the crowd into wickedness, is the path of death and ruin. And then last week, we had a little interlude. Nathan preached to us and uh, called it sort of like uh, Lady Wisdom's rap, right? This is all poetry. Proverbs is all poetry. So Lady Wisdom's out in the street saying, hey, yo, I'm beautiful. I'm awesome. I'm here. I'm available. And y'all must be blind and, and dumb because you're walking around and you don't, you don't want me, right? And so that was last week. And in other words, wisdom's a beautiful lady. She wants to be found by you. She's begging to be found by you. If you don't answer that call, it's not going to go well for you. This week, we're coming out of that into uh, our second exhortation, which I call, hey, Dummy, go get the girl. She's there in the streets. And we'll see that as we go through today's passage. So if you have a Bible, Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to do the entire thing today. So we'll go ahead and and read, beginning in verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding... Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. 
from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. We pray that you would be very near to us and that you would give me wisdom and power by your Holy Spirit as I preach your word. Soften our hearts, convict us of sin, and lead us to walk in your ways. Help us, we pray. We need your help. We need the wisdom that only you can give. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to take this passage this morning in two sections. It's 22 verses long, 22 lines, and they're divided up neatly, actually in the poetry of, of Proverbs 2, into two 11-verse chunks. So we're going to focus on the first 11 verses first, and then the second 11 verses next. The first 11 verses, part of how, how we know that they're divided up this way, the first 11 verses all start with the same letter. And the second 11 verses all start with the same letter. It actually wants you to think that it's alphabetical, but it doesn't. It's not that. It's all A. First letter of the alphabet, A, 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 A. All right. So we'll start with some big ifs and then some thens and then some whys. First, the ifs. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Stop. Okay, first if. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. That, that sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like how we got started in chapter one. My son, hear. Hear, my son. Listen. It's pretty passive, right? Listen, hear what I have to say. But we're escalating here in this verse because we're going beyond listen to receive. Remember, wisdom is crying out loud in the streets. You better not just hear her. She's in the streets. She's in the public square. Everybody has access to her. But you better not just hear her. You'd better listen. You better pay attention. You better receive what she has to say. It's one thing to listen as your dad speaks. It's another thing to receive what he has to say. It's one thing to listen as your pastor preaches. It's another thing to receive what he has to say. It's another thing to incline your heart. It's another thing to pay attention with the intent of putting God's word into practice. Wisdom doesn't belong to people who only hear the word of God, but to those who do it, right? The point of wisdom is not just knowledge in and of itself. It's not philosophy. It's right living. Wisdom is calling in the streets and she's beautiful. She wants you to want her. She wants you to receive her. You better treasure up what she has to say. You'd better listen. You'd better incline your heart to understand. 
This is about internalizing what you've heard. This is about not just listening and letting God's wisdom go in one ear and out the other. It's about making note of it. It's about internalizing it. It's about letting it shape your heart and reshape your heart and letting it mold your character so that you have the right instincts. Most decision-making in our lives is not the function of some kind of conscious decision. Not in the tight spots. In the tight spots, it comes down to character, right? Will you run or fight when the bad guy comes for you and your family? Fight or flight? What's the instinct? What's the response? What's your gut reaction? What wins? Wisdom shapes your character so that you respond rightly in the tough spots. When you, res- you respond rightly to ethical dilemmas, you respond rightly to temptations. It trains your heart to respond rightly. It shapes and forms your character. Remember, we said several weeks ago, Proverbs is a father welcoming his son into maturity. Part of that is recognizing that mature sons are not sons that you control, but sons that you have taught self-control, right? They're not sons that you simply command and discipline, not anymore. They're sons that have to own and receive and embrace the wisdom you've had to offer them their whole lives because they're not little kids anymore. Solomon's looking at his son and he's looking at all of us and he's saying, you have to do more than listen. You have to incline your heart to wisdom. You, actually, you have to actually be soft. You have to receive it. You have to make your ear attentive. You have to be ready and willing to change. You have to be shaped by this wisdom. You have to be ready for it. You have to want it. And then he takes it even farther because wisdom's calling out in the streets. And so he's saying, at first he says, hear. And then he says, listen. Then he says, receive. Then he says, incline your heart. Make your ear attentive. Want it, right? Don't let her call out to you. Call out for her. You should be asking for her to come to you. She shouldn't be asking for you to come to her, right? Stop being passive about wisdom. No self-respecting young man lets the, the girl call him first, right? That's lame. You go for the girl, right? Here's wisdom. She's in the streets. Solomon says, wait, 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 wait. Listen here. Receive what she has to say. But wait, wait. Do more than that. You should be calling out for her, right? You should be wanting her. You should be in pursuit of her. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, right? That's what he says. That's if number two. And then he continues escalating even further, if number three, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, wisdom's in the streets. But you should be ready to search for wisdom, to seek wisdom like buried treasure, like silver deep in the mine, in the heart of the earth. It's how beautiful and desirable she is. She's out there calling. Don't let her call. (laughs) You call first. She's out there looking for somebody who wants her. You go seek her out. Do not let the girl call out in the streets. Receive her. Wait, no. Ask, call out. Wait, no. Seek her out. Go get that girl. Go get her. Ask, seek, knock. Sounds familiar, right? Should. She's ready to open the door. She's out there in the street saying, everyone who asks, everyone who comes to me, I'm giving you wisdom. And it's like silver. It's precious. What miner goes out, strikes gold or silver and says, huh, 
I'll just take what I can get, what's on the surface, and I'll be content. Nobody does that. You strike gold, you're going to be sure you get everything there is to get. You're going to keep mining and mining and mining so long as there's still gold to mine, right? The dwarves, they keep going, (laughs) and they keep going, and they keep going. And so they unleash the Balrog, right? But there's no Balrog here. There's just more wisdom to be found. There's more wisdom to be found. What treasure hunter uncovers some treasure trove, some pirate cove, or some uh, Egyptian tomb and says, well, I'll take uh, what fits in my pockets and uh, be done here. Nobody does that. The pursuit of wisdom is a hands-on pursuit, and it's an all-out pursuit, precisely because it's not passive and because it's not just about knowledge for knowledge's sake. In the same way that you can't learn a bike by reading about bikes, in the same way that you can't learn how to play baseball, how to, how to hit a baseball by reading about how to hit a baseball or how to shoot a basketball without actually shooting a basketball, in the same way that you can't learn uh, art from reading theory, you can't learn the guitar from reading about the guitar, you can't learn how to paint by reading about painting, you can't learn how to code without getting your hands dirty and screwing things up. Right? Peter's just getting ready to start learning some coding. He's got a little book. He can read the book, but he's going to actually have to get out there and screw some things up, right? He's going to have to do the work. He's going to have to get his hands dirty or else he's not going to actually learn anything. At some point, you have to dive in and you have to go for it and apply what you've learned. And wisdom is like that. And it requires you to be aggressive in pursuit of her. She's not hard to find, She's in your parents and in your your elders. She's in the Bible. You have a book of ancient divine wisdom inspired by God for all of life. It's a lot. There's a lot of wisdom here for you. Easy to find. Pull out your phone. You don't have a Bible. Pull out your phone. Find it. Translation of your choice at the tip of your fingers. Right? Easy to find, but you need to be aggressive in your pursuit of her. You'll only be rewarded for it. You have to own it for yourself at some point. That's the call to maturity. Mom and dad can take you so far, right? But at some point, you're on your own. You have to figure it out. You have to apply what you've been taught. Solomon's looking at his son and saying, I can only hold your hand for so long. You can't, you can't, listening to me is not enough. You have to receive wisdom and you have to pursue it for yourself. You have to own it from the inside out. Okay, that's if. If you do all these things, if you ask, if you seek, if you receive, if you incline your heart to wisdom, if you want to be changed by God's wisdom and have your heart conform to it, then, then what? We have two parallels in this passage. They're side by side. In Hebrew, that's a very common thing. It's called chiasm. You set something next to each other, right? You have a statement and then a restatement. You have this thing and then an illustration of that thing. This is not like that, actually. This is more intense than that. It's in itself an escalation. It's building on and illustrating. So side by side, you have this. Then, the very first then, in verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And that's set parallel to this. Verse 9, 
then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path. You'll understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. You'll understand righteousness, justice, and equity. Every good path. Now, those aren't the same thing. They're not the same thing. One is how you get the other. How do you understand what is right and just and fair? You know and fear God. You know the one who makes all things right. The one who judges the earth, the one who avenges the innocent and the wronged. That's how you know. That's where you start to know what is right and just and fair. Let's keep going into these parallels. Verse seven. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Okay, whatever it is you're seeking, the wisdom you're seeking, it's the Lord who gives it much more than it is you who finds it. He stores it up for you. The parallels verse 10. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. So where does God store his wisdom? He stores it in your heart. That's where. That's where he stores it. He gives it to you. He changes you. He's the one who does it. It's personal and real, but it's internalized. Let's keep going with the parallels. The end of verse seven. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. God personally shields and protects and watches over his saints. How does he do that? Verse 11, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. He, he watches over you and guards you and protects you by giving you discretion, which watches over you, giving you understanding, which guards you. That's how. It's personal, but it's also practical. When we think of God protecting us and being our shield, we often want to think of God doing things for us in a way that we would consider to be supernatural, right? Sending his angels, sending us signs, doing extraordinary things. But the most common and the most miraculous and extraordinary thing that God does to protect us is give wisdom to fools like us. Understanding, discretion, to everyone who acts, asks in faith. That's often, most often, most commonly, the extraordinary and miraculous way that he protects us. He takes fools and simple ones like us, and he makes us wise. He gives us wisdom and discretion and understanding. Wisdom means maturity. And often what we actually want, though, from God is to be treated like children. What we want and why there's a whole world of Christians out there desperate to find God's will for their lives is because there's a whole world of Christians out there that just want to be treated like children, seeking some kind of special extra revelation. Has that ever been you? God's will is revealed in scripture. First Thessalonians puts it very succinctly. This, This is, quote, this is God's will, your sanctification, that you grow in godliness and immaturity. First Thessalonians chapter four, that you grow in godliness, your sanctity, that's his will for your life. That's his will. Part of that growth in godliness is growth in maturity and wisdom and knowledge, right? 
so that you're able to discern good from evil. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That's wisdom. That's discretion. To discern good from evil, to discern wisdom from folly, not to look for some magical spiritual cop-out that you find in some kind of personal special revelation, not that God doesn't and can't do extraordinary things. But normally the most extraordinary thing he does is take fools like us and give us wisdom, the ability to discern good from evil, right from wrong. That is a real miracle because we're, we're foolish and simple and our hearts are inclined to evil. And you see it in yourself and you should be able to see it in yourself if you can look at how you've responded in a situation and say, you know, a couple years ago, I would have never have thought of that. I'd never have seen that coming, but I saw it coming. I would never have responded like that. I would have never found that solution to this problem or this way out of that bind or taken that path out of temptation. I would have just caved or given in. Wow, God is good. He's protected me. How? By giving you wisdom and discretion, that's how. By causing you to grow into maturity. That's growth and wisdom and discretion and maturity. It's a step from childhood to adulthood. It's less handholding. It's more personal ownership. That's what God wants to give us. That's what Solomon wants to give to his son. It's just like your kids. They're little, you hold their hands, you say lots of yeses and nos and lots of because I said so's, right? You protect them. You stand in the way of evil that's coming for them. You just take it on yourself, right? But as they grow and mature, how do you protect them? You can't keep them safe forever. You can't stand in the way of evil forever. You protect them by teaching them how to deal with evil how to respond. And by forming their character to the best of your ability so that when temptation comes, which it will, they respond rightly. But that passive mentality pops up over and over and over all over the place. And it's hard to shake. Guys, have you ever done this? Honey, babe, I just want to go wherever you want to go. I want to eat wherever you want to eat. I want to do what you want to do. Nobody thinks that's funny. You've never done that? All right, there we go. Thanks, Danny. I appreciate that. Yeah. Have you ever, ever had your wife or your girlfriend or just some girl who was a friend say, dude, you know what I would actually want? It's for you to make a decision. That would be great. What I want is for you to stop posturing like you care about what I want and want to serve me and actually serve me by just leading and making a decision, right? That's, that would be great. Okay, fine, I'll make a decision. Well, that was the wrong one. Okay, sometimes that happens, right? No, but listen, listen. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's that passive risk-averse approach to God. Oh, Lord, just give me a tingly feeling. Oh, Lord, whatever you want. Give me butterflies in my stomach, please, so that I can feel absolved of responsibility and risk, Right? Well, I just felt the Lord leading me to do the thing that I already wanted to do anyway. Wasn't that a coincidence? God says, wait, wait, wait. I will teach you wisdom. I will teach you wisdom. Look, again, I'm not saying that God doesn't lead us in our prayer life. I'm not saying that, okay? I am saying that most often how God leads us is by reshaping our hearts to love what he loves. 
to love wisdom and knowledge as we grow in the knowledge and fear of him and to want and desire wise and good things. And so Solomon is over here saying, this is what you want. This is what you're asking for. And this is what you're getting if you pursue wisdom. It's the ability to discern what is right and just and fair. What's good? What's the good way? What's the good path, the straight and narrow? Now, why is that all important? Next section, right? First 11 verses done. If this, then that. If you pursue wisdom, God will give it to you. And that wisdom will protect you and guard you. Why is that important? Next section. And here's the reason. Because the voice of your father saying, my son is not the only voice out there. That's why. The teaching of your mother is not the only teaching out there. Wisdom isn't the only one calling out in the square. There are a lot of other voices out there and you will be tempted by them. It's not a question of if, but when and how. You can't be protected forever. So you must be prepared. You can't stay safe forever, so you have to learn strength. That's why. We need wisdom to deliver us from the noise and help us stick to the straight and narrow. What voices are we competing with? What voices are competing with God's voice? We can list a bunch, right? We can list a bunch. Schools, friends, family, social media, voices at work, politics, all our entertainment from the news, which is mostly just entertainment anyway, to movies and shows and games. And did I mention social media? Oh, good. Thanks, Abe. TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and I guess Facebook's still a thing for some of us. MySpace, probably still a thing. Yeah. It is for Ian back there. Yeah. We need God to protect us. We need wisdom. We need to be delivered, which is to say we need wisdom and discretion, knowledge and understanding because the voices are coming and they're coming hard and they're coming constantly everywhere you turn. Solomon boils all these competing voices down into two different categories. Remember, again, he's talking to a young prince, a young man, 12 to 15 probably. Category one, wicked men who love perversity. Category two, the strange forbidden woman, the adulteress. That's who. Now, Solomon's assuming that you're listening, that you're paying attention, that you're actually on the straight and narrow already because you've grown up in a godly home or something like that, or you're here, you're reading this because you're trying to be on the straight and narrow. You've taken wisdom and you've, you've pursued her. You need her protection because there will still be temptations coming at you. And he's going to have a lot more to say about the wicked man and the adulteress later. But he's going to put them side by side, show us some parallels and things we need to watch out for and why we need the protection of wisdom. Now, the first thing about both of them that you see when you put them side by side is that they are flatterers and liars. Verse 12, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. Men of perverted speech are liars, flatterers. Verse 16, so you will be delivered delivered, delivered, from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. She's a liar. She's a flatterer. They're lying. It's the first thing you need to know about them. Liars, flatterers, seducers, they want you to join them in their rebellion. They'll say what they need to say. Two, 
They're unfaithful people. They're not to be trusted. The most dangerous people you will have in your lives are people who are unfaithful to the covenant, the covenants they've made, commitments they've made. Untrustworthy people. People who have known the ways of God and forsaken them. Verse 13, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. You can't forsake something that you've not been on. They've been on the path of uprightness. They've forsaken it. They've walked away. They've chosen the path of darkness. They rejoice in doing evil. They delight in the perverseness of it. Verse 17, parallel. It's wicked man, the adulteress, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. She's had a good thing and she's turned away. We're talking about people who have walked away from wisdom, who've walked away from God, who have broken their covenant commitments, people of weak character, people without integrity. They'll call you to join them. They'll want you to join them. Will you be ready to resist? They don't have your best interests at heart. Verse 15, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Crooked paths, devious in their ways. 18 and 19, her house sinks down to death, her paths to the the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. They're murderers. That's what they are. Remember our analogy? The wicked are winning in the same way that a man who's jumped off a bridge is flying. They've jumped off the bridge. They're headed to destruction. And they'll say anything to get you to join them. They'll do whatever it takes. They'll tell you whatever it takes, so long as they can corrupt you too and involve you in their corruption. Once you start down that path, it is all but impossible to turn back. It's hard. It can't happen. But when it does, it is a miracle. So don't listen to them. Listen to wisdom. Why? Here comes the lesson or listen, learn, lest, right? Here comes the lest. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. You can walk with the good and inherit the earth or you can be dispossessed of everything, your life and your soul. At the end of the day, there are thousands of voices out there, but there are only two ways. There's the way of life, the fear and knowledge of God, discerning what is right and just and fair, walking the straight and narrow, and there's the way of death, the crooked path of the wicked that leads to death and hell. Two ways. So, Solomon says, so listen to wisdom. Receive wisdom. Incline your heart to wisdom. Cry out for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. Seek for wisdom. And you will find the knowledge of God and the fear of the Lord. And you will understand what's right and just and fair. And God will protect you as you walk in the way, in the straight and narrow. God will protect you. Now quickly, as we close, as promised, Proverbs and parenting. Step back, see the big picture for just a second. Three lessons today from this passage for mom and dad. Number one, fight the voices that cry out for your kids, fight them. Your voice matters. It's the signal, everything else is noise. Don't believe the lie that it doesn't matter and that it can't be heard. You don't have to yell for my son to be heard above everything else. 
Anybody have that older guy in their lives growing up, your dad, your grandpa, somebody, if he just said son, it sent a tingle down your spine? My son from a father that you respect makes everything else noise. It can feel dorky. It can feel silly. It can feel small and insignificant. If it feels that way, it's because the world's taught you to be insecure about being a dad. And why has it done that? Because of how potent fatherhood really is. That's why. That's why. They want you to shut up and be afraid of feeling stupid because you have a voice that can drown out the noise. Don't be afraid of being a dork. Lean into it. The world could use a lot more dads who don't care what the world thinks is dorky and who aren't afraid of looking insecure so long as they have their son's hearts and attention. You could use a lot less abdicating losers who are despised by their wives and children but get to look cool in the world's eyes. So one, fight the voices. Don't be afraid. God's given you a powerful voice. Two, go beyond do's and don'ts to consequences. There are actually no commands in this passage. There's not one. This entire chapter, not one command. Just if, then, because. Rehearse lots of ifs and thens with your kids. Command them. Those are all over the place in Proverbs too. But also see the importance of just showing the consequences, showing and connecting dots, right? Parenting, we've said and said and said again, and I think is proving true. So much of it is just connecting dots between if and then. Teaching consequences. Teaching that whatever you sow, you reap. Your actions have consequences. And then three, give the why to Give the because, especially as your children get older. We tend to treat our toddlers like teenagers and our teenagers like toddlers. Have you noticed this? You sit and you reason with a toddler, right? You can't, and there's no reasoning with a toddler. What they need is do this, don't do that. Because I said so, that's why. Because mommy doesn't like it. That's good enough for now. Just incline your heart to obey me. And then we get to our teenagers and it's just, because I said so, that's why. (laughs) It's opposite. As your kids move to maturity, give them the why. Teach them. They need the reason. They need to be able to see what you see so they can see it for themselves. I'm not saying tolerate rebellion. I'm saying take those next steps. Take it regularly. Show them how to see what you see. Step back with them and show them the bridge and the rocks, right? You teach your little three-year-old to listen to your voice so that when you say stop, they stop. When you say come, they come. So that when they start to run out into the street, you can say stop and they'll stop. You can say come and they'll come and they'll be afraid and they won't understand why and they won't understand that you've just protected them, right? You can't be afraid to do that. But as they get older, teach them about the car. (laughs) Teach them about looking both ways. Help them into maturity. As they get into, as they get older, teach them about their friends, their relationships, about sex. Solomon does, the Bible does. Connect dots for them. Help them see. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us a book of wisdom and teaching us how to be godly and mature and wise. We thank you that all wisdom comes from you, and you're a father to us. 
You're a father to those of us in this room that are fatherless. We pray that you would give us a heart of wisdom and that you would incline our hearts to wisdom and that you would teach us to love and seek after wisdom and to take your warnings to heart. Help us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name.